Don't be ashamed if you get confused when you talk to your friends or you watch the news. They try to tell you where it all went wrong. Now you don't need to argue, just sing this song. It was rich people stacking the deck, rich people with big fat checks, rich people they're having a ball, rich people been us all. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Yeet the Rich. Yeet the Rich. I am Emily Walsh. And I'm Danny Moss. And this is part two of the Getty family. Mm, Getty and Forgetty. Getty and Forgetty. If I'm being honest, I <laughs> forgot a little bit. We, uh, full disclosure, it's been a couple weeks since we recorded part one. And it's going to take a second to get back in the mind space of the wealthiest people ever, basically. But I'm excited to do it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I hardly knew anything about these people, and uh, they're the wealthiest people in the world. So what's up with that? What is up with that? Okay, so to recap... And our best people, I think, is what I remember from last time. Am I wrong? I mean, that's the theme of the podcast, right? The wealthier you are, the better the person you are. That's right. That's the theme. That's the whole thing we're trying to convey to people, (laughs) that they're just, you know, the more money you have, the the closer you are to sainthood. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so taller the hair closer to God that's what I always say I mean that part is true but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Getty had very tall hair yeah at all so all right let's do a little baby recap so that you guys can understand what is happening uh, John Paul Getty is the man we're discussing mm-hmm. he eventually had the most money in the whole world he built an empire based on mostly oil and uh being mean to women that <laughs> still exists to this day if you oh, want to say boy. that he had a bunch of kids and he didn't like any of them he had a bunch of wives doesn't really seem like he liked them either but he built this uh family and this dynasty i guess you could say that has kind of become an interesting group of people. We're going to get into the current Gettys later, but it's an evolution and it's a journey. And he, you know, he's born in America. He spent an enormous amount of time in Europe. A lot of his kids spent a lot of time in Europe and he birthed five to six children, depending on who you ask. The first was a daughter uh, by the woman that he probably assaulted. Mm -hmm, We got mm -hmm. into that last episode. We won't get into it again. Nobody really talks about her. She didn't ever become part of the family, take his name, get any money, anything like that. So she's not really part of this story other than the fact that it just adds another layer on the dysfunction that is this man. Yeah. Yeah, He's, just a really, really nice shellac over the top. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but no, that's okay. but that's okay. We like you anyway. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, so the, the kids that we are talking about, he had five sons by four different women Uh, One of them did end up passing away. The youngest, Timothy, when he was 12, he ended up having um, a tumor and he had to have surgery. And unfortunately, he passed away. So the focus now in our story, where we left off at the end of last episode. Right. Give me right. Right. Caught back up again. Yeah. John Paul Getty is is very, very old, but he's still alive. He's got the four sons and his grandson has just been kidnapped and returned to him. Right, but he did not care, if I remember correctly. He oh, wasn't not super at all. Excited. No, he talked. They basically got the ransom talked from seventeen million down to three point two, 
and he only helped with the two million that he knew would be tax deductible. <laughs> okay, and lent, I didn't realize you could get ransom tax deducted. I honestly don't know how that works, but it was in both books that I read and the movie. So somehow, that's, that's crazy. There's a ransom tax. I'm not going to get too far into it because <laughs> you know we say every episode, and I'll say again, you guys, we're not qualified people we're not researchers we're not journalists i also don't know that we're gonna have be ransomed you know like i don't know that we need to know this it's not a relevant yeah yeah. it's just not super helpful not super i mean if somebody adopted or adopted if somebody abducted right our dog i would be yeah no i'd pay some ransom for that incredibly upset and probably pay some money for it but But i doubt there's a tax deduction for dog (sighs) ransom that's too bad but we pay it but anyway don't kidnap our dog and <laughs> let's get please back don't. please don't that'd be awful we, we would be very sad so the four sons that we're talking about at the end of the episode we did discuss that george getty the first born son has passed away he overdosed essentially on alcohol and pills they mm. took him to the hospital but because they wanted to be discreet they took him to the faraway hospital he passed away Got it. So there is a chance that they caused his demise. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's a... I don't even think it's a chance. I think it's just what happened. Got it. Got it. They took him like 25 minutes away from the closest hospital because he was a Getty and apparently, you know, Gettys don't get sick, so they can't go to hospitals. They have to drive far away. The logic of all of this entire story, like, (sighs) the Getty family is so far from reality and from our reality that I can't defend a single thing that anyone does <laughs> because yeah. I'm just like, I would never be in that position. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. It's all crazy. So the, so George has passed away in our story. We've got Ronald His the full name is John Ronald Getty. He is the German boy who oh, is right. only receiving the $3,000 every year did not increase with inflation. And he has four kids and eventually, or three kids, excuse me. And his children will, uh, or no, he does have four kids. Excuse me. Again, the German, four children, $3,000. His kids, once he passed away, got full benefit of the trust, which we kind of talked about. Oh, okay. Susan's That's trust, the adult. You know what um, maybe he could have done? Given $3,000 to that uh, daughter that he left behind after probable assault? You know, bare minimum. Yeah, but that would be admitting fault. Right. And so he right. doesn't do that. Right. So yeah, so the German is getting the 3000 Ronald is getting the 3000 He has the four kids. They will eventually benefit from the trust. Then there's John Paul Getty II, who we call Paul Jr. Mm. He is the one who is doing heroin. He is the one whose son is kidnapped. His uh, second wife has passed away. He's estranged from his entire family, basically, he can't see his kids because they're in Rome and he's not allowed in Rome because of the suspicions around his second wife's death. And oh. uh, Gail, his <laughs> wife, is raising his child by the woman who passed away and their other four children alone. Got it. So seemingly, these are the richest and happiest people on Earth. Yeah, no, joy is Just in all of these so stories. So much joy, yeah. And then there's Gordon, who... Gordon lives in San Francisco. We're going to talk about Gordon and Gordon, I teased at the end of last episode, is the one person in this story who you think is a normal human being until you find out that he's not. And Surprise! I still won't tell you I'm why. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, get pumped. Because it's <laughs> it's a real kooky, kooky situation. But yeah. so that is where we're at. And now we're going to jump back in to this. What uh, what date are we at? Where are we are in the timeline of the world? It is 1973. Oh, a balmy 1973. A balmy 1973. He is approaching 80 years old. Got it. And an oil shortage happens in the 70s. 
and oil goes from $3 to $12 a barrel. Oh, boy. So by the end of 1973, Getty's personal fortune is $25,800,000, and the trust has accumulated to $2.4 billion. Wow. So if you forgot what the trust is, his mother established it so that all of his children and grandchildren that he is, was clearly neglecting before she passed away, she saw the the writing on the wall. She knew what was going to happen. She sold him the remainder of her shares of the company so that they would establish this trust so that his children and their children would be taken care of. So he controls this trust. He can use it to borrow against it, but it is not technically his personal money and it will eventually go to his children and grandchildren. Regardless of what he personally leaves them in his uh, will. So he's 80 years old and he has a party and he's one of those people that like his own family doesn't like him, but he seems kind of important. Like President (laughs) Nixon sent his daughter. Nixon called him at midnight to wish him a happy birthday, but he still felt like a failure because he hadn't built this dynasty and he hadn't, you know, proved his dad wrong, which is, I think, the aspiration of every powerful rich man in the world and probably some other poor guys as well yeah if we just had better dads in the world you know yeah maybe maybe this would not happen but he's kind of feeling bummed out he has his friend penelope uh he wants her to move in with him she lives with him for a while he wants to marry penelope and she's like i'm good so she moves out she marries somebody else uh the getty museum opens which is something that he was looking forward to for a really long time he really wanted it to look like this great greek thing that was going to be like harking back to the days of yore but it opens and the press calls it vulgar they say it's tasteless oh no they kind of hate it the whole thing is bad um that's the last time he spends his money on something pleasant yeah exactly um so paul the grandchild we're checking back in on paul right he's free from his kidnapping but he is you know, he's kind of wandering through life. He doesn't really know what to do, but he decides to get married. He marries the woman that he was dating when he was 16. She was 24 when he was 16. Hmm. So now he's 21. So I guess she's 29. They decide to get married and they have a child very quickly whose name is Balthazar. Okay. Yeah. So how's, how's Balthazar? Do we like Balthazar? Uh, now in life, I think I have some stuff about him. I did read about him. He is now an actor and a DJ and he seems to be living okay. his best life. Him. Balthazar is chilling. Does he go by anything for short? I wonder. I don't think he does. I think he's <laughs> Balthazar, but I, <laughs> I, I don't honestly him. recall. And he's not a magician, you say. He's a DJ though, which okay. is close. Yeah. All right. Very close. So, but unfortunately, <laughs> because Paul III gets married at 21, he lost his chance at his parents' trust. They have their own trust set up for their kids that they weren't allowed to get money until they uh, made it to 22 without getting married because they were worried their kids would be taken advantage of at a young oh, age yeah. and be married into things by people who were trying to take their money. So, Well, one of their sons did you know, have a relationship with somebody who was uh, six years older than him, eight years old. That's who we're talking about. So uh, that yeah. son, Paul III, marries this person at 21, so he doesn't get the trust. And so Paul Jr., his dad, is also low on money and he's depressed and he's trying to deal with his opioid, like heroin addiction. Uh, So he's in London, Paul Jr., the son of John Paul. Yep. The dad of Paul III. I know there's a lot of Pauls. I should have named them something else at the beginning, but here we are. I mean, they should have named them something else. Correct. But at that time, you know, rich white men only had like eight names to choose from. Yeah, very little creativity. Yeah. So what are you going to do? But Paul Jr., 
he's sad. He's in London. He is doing his prescribed small amount of heroin because that's how they dealt with heroin addicts at that time in London. Mm. So Gail and all of the kids move back to London um, to try to cheer him up a little bit. But then all the kids go to boarding school anyway. So that is a little confusing. Paul III becomes alcohol dependent, unfortunately, because the kidnappers gave him so much brandy the entire time he was... Mm kidnapped to keep him warm and when they decided to cut his ear off so they were giving him a lot of brandy so he couldn't afford a blanket just give him brandy just give him brandy (laughs) yeah i don't fully understand that logic but i'm not an italian kidnapper so he i feel i feel really bad for paul the third he just you know there's a lot of villains in this story he's not one of them he just kind of was kidnapped and now he's back he becomes an alcoholic he starts to have night terrors he can't sleep he's you know he's really having a hard time he does receive start receiving an allowance from jean paul og papa because he's going to college so he's like hey you're doing something with your life i'm going to give you a little bit of an allowance so he's able to pay his bills and pay for his family and he's going to community or not community college he's going to college in california and he meets Allen ginsburg and william burroughs who are like the beat writers of the like Ooh. the cool you know guys um and he's kind of having an interesting youth um he does travel back to italy for the trial of all of his kidnappers but he honestly he couldn't recognize any of them they wore masks the entire time they had him wow so he really wasn't able to aid in the trial but they all were sentenced to 10 years in prison so that's good yeah um and now it's the summer of 1975 and papa getty the kingmaker uh is sad because he has He's looking at his life. He's over 80 years old. He has no clear successor to his business. There's no son that has come out and shown themselves as his clear, you know, heir to the throne in that way. And so he decides that he wants to start spending time with his grandchildren. Granted, he's still playing favorites in his own family. Gordon is the only son. Gordon, the normie guy who lives in San Francisco, (laughs) is the only son he invites to his 80th birthday. And at the time, Gordon was living in San Francisco. Ronald, the German, is still only getting $3,000. He's not in the trust. Paul Jr. was not invited to the party because of the heroin, but he's still in the trust. Uh, so there's a lot of layers happening. People, yeah. are, people are getting valued in different ways. People are receiving different treatments. Nobody's having all that good of a time. It's and he's trying to figure out what to do with his billions of dollars. Yeah. And, okay, so in his 80s, this is just... <laughs> It's gross. He's in his 80s. It's the 70s. It's a little confusing. He's still he's still banging the ladies. Wow. He's still having a lot of sex, apparently. He has to have injections to do so, which I didn't know was a thing. Interesting. But basically, he has, like, whatever the equivalent of Viagra is. You don't think it's just, like, a party animal balloon pump or something? <laughs> <laughs> just... It's the base of those car wash guys that's like, boop, 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 yeah. boop, boop. He just plugs that in. Yeah, that makes sense. To his upper thigh. Um but yeah, apparently... That'd be a really awful tattoo. What would be? The car wash guy <laughs> with a penis? Yeah, no, on on, 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 somebody, on someone's penis. Like... I don't think that tattoo exists, but probably on the upper thigh. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, car wash guy is, is out here in these streets. Yeah. So... <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. That's what you're here for. Color commentary. <laughs> John Paul Getty... He's in his 80s. He's banging all these ladies. He's literally got to pick. He's got he he can pick whatever lady he wants at, in the evenings. People are still into it. He is living it up. Except uh, for Penelope, right? She was like she's not no interested. Thanks. She was she ended up coming back. She was a, a lifelong friend to him, but she was oh. never 
ever interested in that I mean, way. It doesn't seem like it. Well, actually, we haven't really checked in with his wives post wifehood. Are they? How are they doing? They're not interested in him. Yeah, uh, for sure. They kind of all seem f- as fine as they can be. Got it. You yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so he's in his eighties, and he develops an inoperable case of prostate cancer. Mm. He's not going to survive that. He's already in his eighties. Um, but before he dies, he kind of like retreats into a childlike behavior. He's having these women now instead uh, read him bedtime stories. Got it. But he passes away in 1976. And in the first year after he dies, this is the way the money breaks down. Paul Jr. gets $4 million. Mm-hmm. Gordon, the normie in San Francisco, gets $4 million. Got it. $4 million was split among the... Uh, George's three daughters, so the oldest son who had passed away, his three daughters get three million split among them because okay. they're the next generation. And uh, Ronald, tell I'm me, he gets sure like three thousand dollars. Gets nothing. Yeah. Oh man, I'm pretty sure. Man, if if he had given the, given Ronald three thousand dollars, it would have been such a dig. Such, <laughs> it just would have been so good. No, they his children will participate in the trust, but uh. By the early 1980s, they're all getting $28 million a year from the trust. That's how big it gets. Do you know how much uh, money he personally had when he passed away? Um, The the last number that I had for his fortune. So he died in 1976. And he died in 1976. And in 1973, he had $25 million. So somewhere in that neighborhood. Sure. And the trust was in the billions. The trust at that time was in the billions. So the weird thing about when he died is that he was different from a lot of other really wealthy people because it wasn't... He had never built that legacy. So there's no land. He had sold his own house. He didn't like leave the house to anybody. Oh, well, like before he died, he was like, oh, I'm going to sell this thing. Gotta estate get sale. Rid of this. Yeah. He, uh, he didn't have really any heirlooms. He wasn't like a collector of things he was actually interested in, just things that would accumulate value. So there wasn't this like passing on of oh, yeah. the I stuff. I mean, he put it all in that museum, I would assume, all the art and stuff that he bought. He put literally all of it in the museum, and he never actually went to the Getty Museum in person. He only saw well, the I pictures. probably read the reviews and was like, I don't know if I want to go there. Oh, you know? thanks. But there was a, <laughs> there still is apparently a gigantic Roman-style bust of him in the lobby. So uh, you can see that. Uh, Gordon is the richest of all the kids because he is not... Uh, he's not really dealing with addictions. He's just taking the money and kind of living his life. He was a bit generous. And again, he's like the most normal. He's probably also the most reasonable of a human being. He donated money to land preservation, to animal preservation. But he was kind of an interesting guy because he he wanted to just kind of hang out at home and have his like simple needs met. Like he drove a really basic car. I forget what model it was, but it was like a Toyota. Like he wasn't sure out here spending this money like crazy. Like they had a very nice house, but he just wanted to be able to go to like the record store, listen to his music. Eventually he writes poetry and he wants to just like drive his car around and, and just kind of hang out. I mean, for a long time I've thought that like if the rich people just became rich and then took their money and like, I don't know, went and enjoyed it opposed to continuing trying to continue to control society, we might do better. Like if Mark Zuckerberg was like, yeah, Facebook. All right. See you guys. I think we'd probably have a healthier society. We did it. And yeah. then they just walk yeah. out and go to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Gordon kind of does that. He's kind of just enjoying the money. His wife, Anne, is a very fancy lady. She's kind of a society lady. And if you look at pictures of their home, if you Google Anne Getty's home, 
it looks like a very fancy museum. It is like all that really nice wallpaper, all these beautiful paintings. They have Monet's in their house. Like they're, she is curating a very different lifestyle than he, like if he was left to his own devices, I think he'd be in that type of like really sad bachelor house where it's sure. just like a TV on a glass table and one sofa that's only yeah. got room for him. And like side table made of pizza boxes. Yeah. Probably he not, seems, but maybe. Yeah. Essentially whatever the rich person equivalent <laughs> of that, they're made of caviar boxes. I don't know. I don't know how rich people <laughs> Caviar live. coming boxes. Hard to say. Hard to say. Never ordered it. Um, but yeah. So part three of this story. Ooh, here we go. So now we're on to the third generation. We're on to Paul Jr.'s kids. There's four of them. We already talked about Paul the third, who is actually their third kid. Um, hmm. So this this is kind of nobody nobody has a great ending. I'm going to say that. Okay. Or not ending. I guess some people have a good ending. Nobody has a great time. Sure. People. Uh, their stories are bleak. They're bleak. It turns out an enormous amount of money without any kind of like family love or mental health mm. isn't great right checks out and also like no plan no no purpose in life yeah need to to benefit yeah. or need to contribute to society none of that yeah no measurable goals by any means it no i don't think like. so no because so. even john paul who like had a goal of you know making his father proud of him there were no benchmarks you know he didn't have any no, things to check off gone it yeah. just doesn't make sense I just I I know that it's the reason that I will never be insanely wealthy, but I just don't understand the insanely wealthy. Like I just can't. Yeah. I can't understand that motivation because I'm like, don't you want to take a nap and like <laughs> Do eat anything? some cheese? Like I I just don't get it. But well, they work. They just work a million times harder than we do. So it's, they earn a million more dollars. Exactly. I get it. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. All right, back to the kids. And I apologize, the two daughters kind of have unique spelled names, and I couldn't find anyone saying their name. So Eileen, and I, again, I just assuming it's Eileen, apologies if I am mispronouncing, I'm honestly not sure. It's spelled A-I-L-E-E-N-E. That we're, seems right to me. Yeah, we're calling sure. it Eileen. She was one of Paul Jr.'s daughters, and she is wiling out. She, okay. she went to boarding school, she's back, she's doing a ton of drugs, the other daughter, Ariane, she just went to Bennington College and seems like she was like a very oh, typical Bennington yeah. College student, What'd just kind of being a hippie. Doing RD stuff. Yeah. Mark, uh, their youngest son, is kind of a normal kid. He missed Italy after they moved to Ro or to London, so he ended up going back with Gail for the rest of his childhood. And later on, he actually becomes one of the founders of Getty Images, Oh, which I did not know that Getty Images was of the Getty family. So that's sure. kind of a fun, weird coincidence. But yeah, so Mark and Adrian, uh, they kind of had normal-ish lives. But Eileen is is the wild child. And she actually, she's like living it up so much, she ends up marrying Elizabeth Taylor's son, huh? which is kind of a crazy coincidence. We're going to come back to that whole story in a moment. But Paul the Third, we're going to check up on him real quick. He actually ended up in a coma because he was taking so many pills for his anxiety oh boy. and to get to sleep. And at this point, a lot of people didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel of this coma. And he spent six weeks fully in this coma. Wow. But Gail, his mom, the same mom that, you know, stuck by him and eventually got him rescued from this kidnapping situation, Michelle Williams in the film, if you choose to watch it, <laughs> She 
does a ton of research about comas. And again, it's the 80s. She's going to the local library. She's getting into the like oh, the Dewey, Dewey Decimal, Decimal system. system. She's like looking up coma on a little card and finding a book about it. She is really, really dedicated. So she does all this research. She's reading to him. She's playing music to him. She's in there every single day. She's really dedicated to his recovery, as are his siblings. They fly over. Everyone's really concerned about him. After six weeks in the coma, he uh, wept. And they were like, oh, my gosh, he's he's feeling an emotion. He's hearing us. He's He's weeping. And they were like, no, he's just a guy in a coma. And he was like, but she obviously still had faith. And then a couple weeks later, he actually laughed and then woke up like they were Whoa. having a conversation and he starts laughing and then must have been a good joke you know seriously i mean that's that's <laughs> comedy goals right there get yeah. somebody out of Something a coma jeez louise i have to hang coma a lot patients in comedy clubs. i know i'm gonna have to hang out in hospitals if not but anyway yeah <laughs> he wakes up unfortunately he is fully paralyzed now for the rest of his life Got due it. to this coma so okay He's had a really rough one, he's huh? He really did. He really, really did. Um, and and again, it's like he's one of the people in this story that really didn't do anything wrong. He's just a victim of his circumstances, his environment, and then his addictions. And so it's kind of he just kind of has a sad tale. But he he's in the coma now. They call Paul Jr., his dad, who's still over in Europe, and they ask him to help pay for his addiction or pay for his treatment. But Paul Jr.'s addiction at this point has made him really paranoid. And it's made him feel like everyone is trying to steal from him, trying to out to get him. So Paul Jr. doesn't go see him, but he does send his lawyer and his lawyer goes and witnesses Paul the third state and says, no, you really need to pay for this. So thankfully Paul Jr. then commits to paying for his care for the rest of uh, his life. So, okay. That's good. Yeah. How uh, uh, how severe is his paralyzation? It's literally his entire body. If you he like has, neck down or yeah, he has since passed. But if you look at photos, he he maybe he was able to move a little bit. I'm honestly not sure because mm. he was in a wheelchair that looked as if it had some hand controls. But he was in a full wheelchair. You know, he. What I was just going to get into is that he does thrive in his physical therapy, and he gains some mobility so he must be able to to do a few things but he is in a wheelchair for the rest of his life 100 percent. okay he's doing speech therapy and he's still taking classes he's having people read to him like he really wants to engage his mind he's really doing his best to be a full well-rounded person um even in this time eventually he gets like a swimming pool he's doing water therapy like he's really trying to um recover and be a member of his family in the world but he just he really has a rough time of it. So during all of this, uh, Mark, the youngest son, ends up marrying an Italian woman. Gordon becomes a composer. And so now we're going to talk about Gordon a little bit. Okay. Gordon is the oldest living son. And he's the guy who's driving a Toyota and just hanging out. And he ends up writing a book of poetry. The reviews are very mediocre. But, you know, that's is this the, the guy we think is mostly normal. And yes. then there's, a, okay. Okay, yes. okay, okay. The joy of being uh, a wealthy white man who has to never oh, I thought that was the life. name of his book. <laughs> the joys of being a wealthy white man. I mean, that book doesn't need to Those be written. poems, they were not great. They were not great, but they existed. And he had the time and the leisure time <laughs> to write them. He does have the largest personal collection of records in America. Huh. I don't know if he still does, but he did in the 80s, which is pretty wild. Yeah. He spent a lot of money and time on records. And Anne is 
again, a little fancier. He's collecting records. She's collecting impressionist paintings. (laughs) So Gordon really had no interest in working for Getty Oil. And he could tell that nobody else really did either in the family. So he orchestrates the sale of Getty Oil, the company, and this is why you've never heard of it. Right. To Texaco, a company you presumably have heard of. I have. There used to be a Texaco in my hometown. Well, there you go. He sold it for $10 billion, which at the time was the largest U.S. acquisition of any company ever. 20,000 people lost their jobs. Gordon wasn't really concerned about that. Right. And he had more poems to write. Yes. And this part, honestly, business-wise, I'm a little confused by but Pennzoil, another company, oil company that was interested in the sale, they sued uh, Getty for $10 billion because they were also interested in the sale, but they were like somehow misled. And Pennzoil ended up going bankrupt due to this the lack of sale success. Legal battle and all this other stuff. Whatever it is. Legal battle, yeah. yeah. So, so essentially, the Getty family gets $10 billion. The Getty company becomes part of So they killed two oil companies all at once. And 20,000 Americans lost their jobs. Or 20,000 people. I actually don't know if they're Americans. I shouldn't uh, assume. But yeah, not (laughs) very beneficial to the Getty family. Not really to anybody else. So Ronald, the German, re-enters the chat. He is back. He thinks this (laughs) is his chance. He's getting to those DMs. He (laughs) thinks this is his chance to get his equal share of this money. So he goes through the court system and after all of this rigmarole... $3,000. $3,000. Well, honestly, that's basically what happens. The court says there was never any proof that his dad would have made him an equal partner. They were like, we appreciate that you're his son, but it was very clear that he never wanted to give you any money. <laughs> so we cannot give you any money. Uh, wow. Yeah. So and Gordon was like, <laughs> me either. Yeah, so Gordon himself gets $4 billion from this sale, and the trust earns as much money as John Paul had put into it in his lifetime. So billions of dollars, the same that it took John Paul his entire life to create through hard work and reusing envelopes and being a dickhead, Gordon earns in casually selling his father's company. Got it. So... I don't really care. Like I, yeah. it's not a company that I'm like, oh no, oh, like that's too bad. That's it's too gone. bad. But it is kind of wild that he just had to show up and be like, you know what? Yeah, Texaco can have it because I want to keep buying records. Did he so, buy more records? I guess he had to do something. He, he did. Just... He he did a lot of stuff. We're yeah. gonna keep oh, talking about okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, so Gordon didn't own the trust. That's not exactly how it was gonna work now. Sure. But he had a yearly salary of two hundred million dollars. So he's, I hate these people. He's fine. Yeah, the numbers are <laughs> just, just so like one million dollars a year would be like plenty. Uh, which, so much. Too much. So much. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. No, the numbers are unreal, which is why they're all insane because it's not a comprehensible amount. It's too much. It's like when they. I've always been interested in the stories of like professional, like either musicians or like athletes or all these people that get this enormous amount of money up front and then they end up losing it. Like you're always like, how yeah. did MC Hammer run out of money? He's MC <laughs> Hammer. And it's because nobody taught him how to trying to sell hammer pants. Emily. Run out of money. I mean, those were a great investment. I don't know what you're talking about. But it's just like people don't learn how to manage this amount of money. Yeah. It feels like monopoly money and then they lose it. I just don't understand how like our society is like, you know what I do? You know, like gas. We got to use gas to do things, right? We go, we drive sure, in our car. Yeah. But like, how is that worth 
billions and billions of dollars. And then, like, other things in our society, they're like, yeah, you're going to get, like, $20,000 a year for that. So that's that's all you get. Capitalism, my dude. <sighs> Supply and demand. I don't know. I've never taken a business class in my life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe we should have. But also, these people do not seem happy, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah. So Gordon's getting the $200 million a year. Gordon and Anne decide to spend more time in New York City. Anne is really getting out there. I think she's a little bored and she's a little like, what do, what do I do kind of vibes. She ends up joining the boards of Revlon and Sotheby's, the like very fancy um, oh, yeah. auction house. She becomes a trustee of the Met Museum. She becomes a trustee of the public library. And then eventually she becomes a book publisher because she really likes books. But the publisher that she takes over never really has any commercial success. But the nice thing about being insanely rich is you can not have any success for 20 years and still keep that job. Right, so sure. she's, she's doing that. Uh, Gordon is dealing with 15 different lawsuits about this sale because they, you know, everybody has an opinion and he... However, he was able to do it all by himself. He didn't really need to check in. Yeah, I was anybody. wondering how that happened. It just feels like... He kind of just did it, and then people got upset after. He was kind of asking forgiveness rather than permission. Uh-huh. And so, after he deals with these 15 lawsuits, the other thing he decides to do is dissolve the family trust. How can he do that? I guess because he's in charge. He decides uh. to get rid of it. He loses a billion dollars in taxes because he gets rid of the trust. Because the whole point of the trust was to evade taxes. But now that right. they're breaking it up, it's being taxed. Well, hopefully we built some nice roads or something with that. I hope so. I wish we could find out where that money yeah. went. Probably just to like, you know, recover yachts that have sunk to the bottom of the ocean by other sure. idiots. I don't really know. So he loses a billion dollars to taxes. And what's left over are four $750 million portions. So there's four portions for the four. I, I just don't understand. He already has like $4 billion. He has so much money, but that's, <sighs> but it has to go somewhere. So yeah. this is worth it. But it was, the, it was for the kid, like the kids of the other generation. I just don't understand. And it literally the entire thing, with the exception of Ger- German Ronald, who has no money, the entire thing could have gone to charity and no one would have batted an eye. Like they right. all have so much money already that it's insane that we're talking about this, but it exists. We have to talk about it. We're doing it. So there's four $750 million portions. Gordon gets one. George's three daughters split one. Uh, One goes to Ronald's kids. We got to skip Ronald, of course. He doesn't get any. And then one to Paul. Okay. So Paul, who, Paul Jr., who is doing the heroin in London, Ronald doesn't get it, but his kids do. George's three daughters, which we're never really going to check back in with George's, George's three daughters. They have purposely kept themselves out of the limelight they're not interested in talking about the family that aren't just being the public eye they sure. just have a butt ton of money but i don't good know where them. they are yeah, yeah good for hopefully them. i mean they may also be villains hard to say hard to say hard to say so at this point paul jr he is the sixth wealthiest person in great britain hmm. because of all this money he's earning- he's just there he's an american there doing light amounts of heroin so that he doesn't stay super addicted to heroin yes i'm not sure exactly how that works but yes sure he is literally earning a million dollars a week just on interest of his inheritance (sighs) yeah that's that's fair he uh he returns to catholicism which is kind of interesting 
And then he has a lengthy stay at the London clinic to finally tackle his addictions. He's like, now is the moment. I gotta deal with this. While he's in this uh, clinic, he also decides to start doing some philanthropy. Mm. So even though this guy is not a great parent, uh, not a great member of the family, doing a lot of heroin, he actually does, as far as I can tell, the most philanthropy of the entire family. Got it. So he he gives twenty million dollars or twenty million pounds to the restoration of British cinema, like movie making in oh, Britain. Okay. He gives $500,000 to an art gallery. And apparently Papa Getty, because he was buying so much stuff and putting it so much in the Getty Museum, it's actually risen. Uh, the cost of art has gone up because of Papa Getty. Like huh. he has created his own art inflation, I guess. <laughs> so because of this, Paul ends up, after that 500 k to a different art gallery, he finds out that art prices have gone up because of his dad and he is convinced by a friend to give 50 million dollars to the national gallery wow so it's like the largest amount of money they've ever received margaret thatcher ends up in going and visiting him in the clinic and she literally is like hey man we gotta get you out of here and he's like i'm working on it but apparently (laughs) she goes and visits him a few times he puts 20 million dollars in the j paul getty jr trust and then he gave uh some money that trust gave money to on a lot of unpopular causes. He gave money to drug addicts for their addictions. He gave money to abuse victims. He gave money to miners, like coal miners that were striking. But these are all pretty good things. This They're is good. Like unpopular in terms of like... Unpopular is in like uncouth, not like society At the time, causes. people were like, we shouldn't be spending money on these people. At but. the time, incredibly wealthy people were like, you should buy paintings. You shouldn't give it to addicts. And he's like, right. I'm going to give it to addicts. Um, he, he helps. He sends money to for famine relief in other countries. So he is really trying to hmm. be a good person. He's 52 years old. And now he's getting all this public attention. And so he's like, I... I'm going to become sober. Like I'm finally, cause he's in the clinic and he's kind of trying, but now he's getting like notoriety. He's getting sure. like known in the country. So he's like, I'm really going to try. He's 52 years old. He's been doing drugs for decades. He is knighted. Um, wow. Yeah. He's not actually, he's, I, I learned this. You can't actually be a knight if you're not a citizen. Hmm. So he is a KBE. He's an honorary knight. And that is the same honor that Reagan and Ford have the, former president so it's a big deal but sure. he um he doesn't actually want to become a citizen because he doesn't want to pay taxes right it's always about taxes with these people <laughs> uh he gets really into cricket the sport of cricket he gives not the creature the yeah. cutting thing oh not the, not the thing that <laughs> not you make the arts stickers and crafts with cutting no. sticker thing. Yeah. he gets really into cricket he gives millions of dollars to different cricket clubs he is inducted into a couple of cricket clubs which he really loves he's really into the cricket culture and then he decides he wants to establish his own rural countryside estate like his dad had but like not as spooky and he probably won't put in a payphone <laughs> um so he pe- he spends 60 million dollars to renovate a place called the Wormsley Estate, mm. which doesn't really sound nice, but I'm sure no. it is. I actually did Google it. It looks pretty. Um, Where is the Wormsley Estate? Uh, it's in the UK. Okay. And he spends just crazy amounts of money. Sure. Um, he has a friend designing it, but he's also like on board with this. Like He decides to, it has to be made out of local Flintstone 
as opposed to like a cheaper variety. Uh, he decides it has to have the perfect a Norman style building. They used to make a lot of their buildings with flint. I honestly don't know. Mm. He uh, he decides he has to have the perfect library because he is an avid reader. He's not just like that would look cool. I want that ladder that rolls around. He's like really oh, into man. it. Oh man, but that ladder though. Am I, I right? mean, I'm sure it has one. Yeah. He creates a lake because he decides that every estate needs a lake. So not a spends... moat, though, because no, no. moats are a real money pit. Moats, <laughs> moats are for castles. This is an estate. Right. They have lakes. He built a cricket pitch. So now he, um, not even through his intention, he has been accepted by European society. They love him. He's a knight. He's given out this money. And he now has the honor that his papa could never have. He's like oh. really enjoying his life. He gets the Art Benefactor of the Year Award, which I didn't know was a thing. Okay. Uh, presented to him by then Prince, now Boy Queen Charles. That's what I call Charles. <laughs> boy Queen Charles. He's the Boy Queen. Charles in charge. Yeah. I just think, I don't, King Charles sounds insane. That sounds like a thing <laughs> that this man is not. He no. is a Boy Queen. And, boy queen. uh, yeah, so he gives him the Art Benefactor of the Year Award, an award I never knew existed. He meets the Queen more than once. Um, and his children, his four kids, surprisingly, they're not bitter about the neglect. They're very, like, grounded about their dad's journey. Yeah. Mark is the financially minded one that is very reasonable. He never turns out to have a dark secret that I found. Maybe right. he does. Um, but he's the one who eventually does the Getty Images, but he actually moves to London to be closer to his dad um, at this time. So let's check in back with the kids. Paul Jr. is still attending college. He's doing it, or not Paul Jr., Paul III is still attending college via tutors and help and readers and all this stuff. So Eileen, we got to get into Eileen's story. Eileen is one right, she's, of... Is she still wiling out? She's still wiling out. Eileen is uh, then test positive for HIV. And her mother-in-law is Elizabeth Taylor, who is literally the president of the American Foundation for AIDS Research. She's a huge advocate for AIDS patients because her best friend was Brock Hudson, who famously died of AIDS. Right. So she, Elizabeth Taylor was incredibly supportive to Eileen, even after their divorce. She's like very much involved in Eileen's life and in helping her deal with this diagnosis. And in her youth, Eileen really didn't want to be a Getty. She thought it was toxic. She rejected it, which I agree with. But unfortunately, her rejection led to her just doing a ton of drugs, mm. having a lot of promiscuous sex, which, again, like, live your life. But, you know, she didn't know HIV was going to become a thing. Unfortunately, that is what happened. But she was also, like, she was doing it hard. Like, she she did enough coke that she needed to have her nose repaired. Oh, boy. She had several miscarriages. She had enough mental breakdowns that it led to her doing electroshock therapy. So, it's not casual rebellion. It's not yeah. a joint out behind the schoolyard. If you're going to do like, something, you know, do it right. I'm, oof, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. But she's committing. I will say that. She is committing. Uh, so, through all of this, her husband... Elizabeth Taylor's son eventually divorces her, uh, gets full custody of their two children. She briefly remarries in all of this chaos and then divorces again. And um, Eileen ends up admitting after a little while, Eileen ends up admitting to the press that she has HIV and that she got it from unprotected sex. Because Mm. for a while, the people, um, her family was like, tell them it's from a blood transfusion. Like, don't admit what this was. But she ends up telling the press. And then she becomes a really powerful advocate for women with AIDS. Because mm. at the time, 
there wasn't as much research going towards women with AIDS. There wasn't a lot of attention going towards it. They were kind of a forgotten part of this story. So she starts doing a lot of advocacy work for women with AIDS. She creates a special hospice for women. She eventually regains partial custody of her two children, which gave her the will to live. She's like refocusing her energies. Okay. And she is still alive at 65. She was diagnosed with full-blown AIDS in 1990, not even HIV, AIDS. And she is still alive. I checked, I double-checked, like I was reading the book, I got on the internet. She is still alive. She's 65 years old. And in 2014, she won the Elizabeth Taylor Leadership Award. So she really, she kind of turned it around. Yeah. She turned it around. So we're going to check in on some other people. We already talked about George's daughters. They are staying out of it. Ronald the German, (laughs) uh, he is a failed hotel venture, and he ends up losing even more money because he is one of the investors in this hotel. And again, a fault of many of the Gettys, or not even their fault, but a fault of Papa Getty is that a lot of people become persecuted because people assume they have money because they're a Getty. Right, and he just had... Three thousand dollars over and over he again. He had nothing, so they they he is the only one pursued for his uh, investment in this hotel venture because of his name. Like because they assumed it that he bankrupt, that but if they anybody like, was going to have cash, it was going to be this guy. Exactly. So he just cannot oh, catch man. a break. Okay, so we talked about it. Then he became a a Hamburg, hamburger selling clown. Yeah, and that's, lived out the rest of his life. He had to, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's the origin story that's the villain origin story of ronald mcdonald oh boy um so paul the third he's getting stronger he ends up moving to wormsley with his dad his dad builds him a guest house gets him a pool all that sort of stuff unfortunately paul the third passes away in 2011 in his 50s at wormsley paul uh jr Ends up passing away. He passed away earlier in 2003. But by the time he passed away, he'd given away more than $100 million. So he was the most philanthropic of everybody in the entire family. But even still, during that sale, he got billions? Oh, that's a very small percentage of his fortune. Right. He is still just, just to keep everything in perspective, throwing money you know, into a wood chipper. He still has a lot of money. He gets a lot. Of, he gets a million dollars in interest every... Every week he was getting Every it. week. So... so uh, the most... Yeah. But still not the I mean, best. you know, keep keep giving stuff keep, out. Keep helping, striving. Helping people where you can, but... Yeah. Do yeah. better, I guess, is the yeah. end of that story. Okay. We're moving on to Gordon. Back to Gordon. Right. Are you ready? We're, we're what, what else could Gordon, Gordon do? Approaching the Gordon secret. So oh, Gordon... There's, just, there's still more. I thought we'd already talked about it because he hawked his family business. No, 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 no. That is a very normal Getty bullshit thing to do. Oh, man. So Does he construct his record collection into a you know human-shaped thing and marry it? No, he's already married to Anne, who has the right. publishing business. Right, and all the impressionist art. So Gail Gordon seems happy, even healthy. He seems normal. Sure. He has four sons. His four sons all have careers, but they also open a wine shop together, which is like a quirky, oh. weird, fun thing. You know, he's just like doing four, it. Four Bros Wine. It's a great winery. You know? I think it's literally called Four Brothers. Um, <laughs> so they're doing that. Mark Getty, again, one of the brothers, Gordon's brother, he is the one who started Getty Images. Right. He He's trying to get the family back together. He invited 
Ronald the German to Paul's 60th birthday while he was still alive because he wanted to really create the family legacy. Gordon and Paul actually end up helping Ronald the German out of bankruptcy. They give him a job. So he's, Ronald is finally okay. So they wouldn't give him any of the money from the many sales that happened. But they did dig him out of bankruptcy, which is nice. Um, The museum ended up moving in 1997 and the first location uh, reopened in 2006. So now there's two Getty museums. That's where all that's at. So that is the end of the book, but this is the Gordon secret. Okay. So the book ends, and then I do some research into the last like 15 years. I'm like, what's been going what's on? What's happening? With the family. Yeah. The last 15 years has been tough on a lot of people, you know? Yeah. So Gordon, who everybody thought was normal, just right. like a regular guy. Toyota driving record. Writing poetry. Yeah. Living his basic life. He had a secret family. Oh, secret family. It is full-on secret family, like you joke about existing. He had three daughters with a woman named Cynthia. Cynthia. And she seems normal as hell, but the world did not find out until the three daughters got together when they were like 8, 12, and 14, or however old they were. They were roughly that age. Yeah. And they decide they want to take his last name. And so it comes out in the news, and he's like, "Oh, so he a- wasn't he? He told them who he was." Oh, they fully knew who he was. Okay, he wasn't just like, "My name is Chet." No, they knew. His wife didn't know, and his four sons didn't know. Uh-huh. But he was going on like business trips to create sure. an entire yeah. other family, getting some business done. <sighs> yeah, it's business time, you know. And so he's got <laughs> these three kids. The press approaches him when he's with his wife. They're on vacation. Well, and they're like, nice. are these three people your daughters? And he's like, yep. <laughs> and he just casually is like, uh-huh. And so they took his name, and that's the end of that. But that... So... How's... Uh, uh, what's the wife's name? Cynthia? No. And yeah. How's Anne doing? Anne has stuck by him. Okay. Unfortunately, their children did not have a great story he has four sons uh his son andrew uh was a methamphetamine addict he died at the age of 47 depending on where you read about it some sources said that he uh was found naked from the waist down and dead from blunt force trauma some places say he died from addiction i really could not find accurate information the other son john was found dead at 52 in a hotel later because of drugs and alcohol like there's a lot of addiction in this story. But I will say, if you are interested in how the rest of this goes, obviously there's so many great-grandchildren that I cannot, we would just never <laughs> end this podcast. But the great-grandchildren are actually really fascinating. And there's a bunch of articles. I'll put a couple of the ones that I read in the show notes. But the great-grandchildren are really working hard to say that there is no curse. Like, they do not want to be under the spell of this assumption that they're all going to be uh, drug addicts and be dead at an early age and have secret families or or get kidnapped. They really, really, really want to work against this. I will say, they seem all, uh, everyone that I found on Instagram and read about and, and saw, they all seem perfectly nice, but they are exactly who you would think the millennial and Gen Z version of this family would be like they all have 
an ungodly amount of money that they're starting fashion lines and they're photographers. One of them is a seaweed farmer in Alaska, which I didn't even know you could do in Alaska. Some of them are really prominent. Like two of, uh, I believe two of Eileen's or maybe Adrian's children um, are fashion designers. One of them like is dressing like Lady Gaga. Like he is like very successful. So they're kind of interesting people. One of them is a musician. There's a lot of fashion designers. There's a couple of photographers, jewelry designers. George's three daughters are all private people. And apparently they're all environmentalists. So good for them. Okay. But again, don't know much about them. Sure. And they're all kind of just trying to L-I-V-I-N, you know? Yeah. Like they're just doing it. So remains to be seen about the whole curse. It does feel like a lot of these people were cursed, if you believe yeah. in that sort of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a really tragic story about a megalomaniac who had to be the wealthiest man in the world and then share it with no one. Right. And definitely don't pay your taxes. And definitely, that is, yeah, if you're going to learn any lesson from this story, it's don't pay your taxes. Which, I mean, it's weird because I don't want to pay my taxes either, but I want him to. Yeah, sure. You know? You know what? I bet the environmentalists pay their taxes. I bet they do. And I bet they're a lot happier. So if you'd like to form a syllogism, paying your taxes makes you a happier person. I don't think it does. No. (laughs) Pay them, but don't don't listen to him. But yeah, I I really wish that I had an overarching uh, lesson other than pay your taxes and don't be a psychopath who doesn't help your children or grandchildren. But Right. Yeah. If, if any of your relatives get kidnapped, maybe just, you know, try to actually help if them out. If you have the I money, mean, maybe help them out. Maybe hire way. somebody other than a terrible spy who's bad at spying. <laughs> right. It's just like they took every opportunity to be good people and then they did the other thing. Right. They were like, okay, we have two options here. Let's do this. Let's one go the dirtbag path. Let's yeah. always pick the dirtbag path. Oh, one good moral don't put a payphone in your house. That's yeah. just rude. Just let people use your phone. Come on. What are you doing? Just, just. I mean, now it's kind of irrelevant because everyone has their own phone. But yeah. just, if you have billions of dollars, don't be so cheap. Yeah. Be chill. Be let, chill. Let people have a, you know, a Fiji water and sit in your house and make a phone call. Yeah. Also, secret families are not a cool thing to do. I mean, I don't think you really gave me enough energy for that. I mean, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. No, a full that's secret true. family. That is true. I got to that because it is so casual in the news like really I, they're just like been, oh there's a secret family by the way there's a secret family i'm sure if i was paying attention <laughs> to that sort of thing a decade ago i would have been like whoa 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 what but I'm like sorry let's take it back a half an hour and i'll, I'll give you that i just you know, know i hope audience is at home i hope yeah. they're freaking out secret family i hope no one drove off the road in a panic like what but like <laughs> it's kind of great like yeah, i know it's crazy uh, to be honest the thing i was thinking about i was like i bet it was pr- it's pretty easy to do if you're just stupid rich if you're stupid rich and you, you like, don't have a job and your wife is constantly going to new york city yeah, quote to be unquote, a bad book meetings, publisher like, yeah you're just like i gotta do stuff with yeah. the trust down in la <sighs> i don't know i just think secret families are like the funniest thing that i could think of because yeah. to me it's such a fake cliche joke tv show thing to be like sure because i can't picture a single human being in my life pulling that off yeah it's crazy so the idea that it happened is just funny to me and the fact that we think it's very weird that he had four sons with his wife and three daughters with cynthia yeah it's just weird that's a that's an interesting coincidence thankfully they were in different cities and different ages and they never fell in love because that would be terrible i guess they didn't have like find my phone or find my friends on their phone yet you know 
How would that play into it? Well, then they, they would have known about the secret family. You're like, why do you keep going oh, to Omaha? Oh, yeah. Who's in Omaha? Yeah. It's your secret family. They weren't in Omaha, but I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, find, find my friends slash. Find my friends slash secret cheating family. spouse slash <laughs> yeah. secret family. Yeah. Wow. So we did it. Yeah. That is the Getty family. Um, again, the book. More that, like rug ready. Am I right? Oh, boy. I regret <laughs> starting this podcast. I don't know why it took you so long to come up with I'm that. honestly surprised. <laughs> That's probably the title of the episode. <laughs> I regret this story. Uh, um, most of my research came from a book called All the Money in the World, previously known as Painfully Rich. I will put all the books and articles that I spent a lot of time on in the show notes if you guys are interested. If you're interested in a very mediocre movie with Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams, check it out. I fell asleep twice, did not make it through. (laughs) So that is where that's at. But yeah, if you guys are enjoying the show, please come back next week. Tell a friend, you know, rate, review, subscribe, do all the podcast things. You guys know the deal by now. We're excited to tell you about something else crazy next week. And thank you for listening. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and a big thanks to Carsey Bland for the theme music. You can follow the podcast everywhere at Yeet the Rich Pod. You can email us your suggestions for future episodes at yeettherichpod at gmail. You can follow me at the Funny Walsh, and you can follow Danny at dmoss315. See you next week. <laughs>